Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Now, while I appreciate the applause, can we make a far louder, far longer, greater one for Lord Jesus? Come on, praise Him. I'm just an under-shepherd. He is the chief shepherd, and he is worthy of all honor and praise. Amen? Fantastic. Yo, can we put the lights on so y'all can see my slightly ugly face? If you know, you know. Anyways, uh, man, fantastic. Um, what a time. What a time in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen? Can you give it up for our worship crew? Come on. Can I just tell you that that isn't so much about planning, that isn't so much about picking the right keys, what happens here every single Sunday, by the way, it's not so much about uh, them getting in the lab and concocting some great potion of chemistry together to create that. No, 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 that's, that's what happens when we allow the fire to burn on the inside of us and the Lord to come in the room. And that's what our worship team does, amen? Every single Sunday. Thank you so much to take over worship for letting the fire burn, for giving yourselves over to the fire every single week, not just up here, but at home and private because we benefit for your private worship. Thank you so much. Can we get it up for takeover worship? Who loves Lord Jesus? I love Lord Jesus. I love Lord Jesus. Oh, man, what a, what a week it's been. I, um, I had the amazing honor and privilege just briefly to, to go and take part in our, our church's network. We're a part of something called the Radiant Network, and it's amazing. It is, it is right now, it's about 40 churches that are burning with the same heart and same desire to see a thousand burning, praying, and worshiping churches all across America. That's our goal, and that is what we are a part of. There's about 40 of us, and what the Lord says in Zechariah 4.10 is true for Takeover Church. It is true for the Radiant Network. Do not despise small beginnings. The Lord rejoices rejoices to see the work begin. Amen. And that's a word for every single one of us. But I had the privilege of going and being with these men of God, these great men of God, and just seeking after Jesus together for four straight days. And let me tell you, I came home with some oil. I came home with some fire. I came home with some anointing in my belly and my bones. And I am ready to see the Lord do something today. Are you ready to see him? He's already started. He didn't wait for me. Praise God. He don't wait for us. Amen. But is anybody else ready to lean into the presence of God this morning? Does anybody else love their Bible this morning? Come on. Well, hey, we're going to read the Citizens Creed because we are in a series called Citizens of Heaven, and then we're going to bust into the Word. Sound good? So repeat after me. It'll be up on the big screen in the Sky Bible. We, the citizens of heaven, hereby swear to be your bride. We swear we will represent your kingdom well in this land. We will keep in step with your spirit. We will keep your word. We will keep your heart. We will steward your power and your presence. Sanctify us. Make us like Jesus. Consecrate us. Make us a holy nation where your spirit rests upon us, where you dwell among us, where your spirit's gifts and fruits are valued. We will be your people. You will be our God. 
We declare your kingdom come. And your will be done. In our region. As it is. In heaven. We swear to give. Our lives. For revival. And all God's people said. Amen. How about you praise him one more time? I can't get enough. Let's go. I know he calls us the pearl of great price, but he truly is the pearl of our lives, isn't he? I want to behold nothing else. I don't even want to hold this microphone before I've beheld Jesus today. This is what we do. Amen. Taking notes? Note takers? Come on, somebody. Yo, uh, title of my message is The One Thing. Before you think you know where this is going, let me tell you, you do not. The one thing. The one thing. We're coming out of the book of Luke. If you have your Bible with you, bust that bad Jackson open to Luke 10, 38 through 42. If you do not have it, I'm sure you have an iPhone or an Android if you're, you know, recently saved. And uh, you can find... Find a Bible app. If not, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Can you guys give it up for Kenny and Kelsey holding it down in the booth? Come on, come on. Take over worship and the message and all the stuff would never go as well without faithful people clicking buttons and learning how to tune their ears to the Lord. Amen. Luke 10, 38 through 42. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Come on. Here we go, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha, see Martha was distracted with, with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. How many of you know when, when Jesus got to say your name twice, you you in the wrong place? <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, you, oh Lord. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Somebody say one thing is necessary. Somebody say one thing is super necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Would you allow me to pray and just welcome the Lord into this moment? Does that sound good? Yeah. Amazing. Father God, Father, would you, um, God, we just love you. We just love you, Father God. We are so grateful for you. Father God, would you just, would you draw us in closer this morning? Even closer than worship brought us. Draw us in closer, God. We want to be so close to your presence, so close to the, to the fire that your word describes you as, God, that we would then be moldable. That we would be warm to such a degree that you can take us in your hands and you can shape us today. You can shape us today how we've not been. Or maybe for some of us, how we've not been in a long time. God, would you just draw us in so close that every portion of our being, every single part of us from our minds to our spirits, to our souls, to our bodies, God. Every single portion of us, every single part, every chamber of our heart, every lobe in our mind, every neuron firing, God. Every vessel, every fiber, every part of us would just melt and bend to your whim this morning. We came for no other reason. We came for no other reason. God, we have no other agenda. We're here for you. 
We're here for you because you have the words of life, said the apostle Peter. Where else could we go, Lord? You have the words of life. So Father, we just say right now, we're a people of your word. We're a people of your presence. So come, Lord, have your way in every single one of us. Mess us up from the floor up. Change us today, God. Every single one of us, my, myself, I will be the first in line, God. Change Matt. Change me today. Make me look more like Jesus. We didn't come to remain the same. We came to be made like you. And a faith-filled church who wants to be more like Jesus every single day said, amen. Praise him again. Come on. Five-second praise back. One, two, three, four, five. Amen. Come on, come on. We're going to stir some faith this morning. The one thing, the one thing, the one thing, the one thing. You know, it's funny. I said briefly in the beginning, um, I had the opportunity to go. Yes, sir, you have a question? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Marcus is like, stretch it out, Lord. I got, I got the opportunity to go and be with 40 other men of God. Can I just be honest this morning? I love every single one of those men and I look up to them and some are my peers and some are generals and some are and I hope by the end of my life I'm not simply known for charisma or being loud or obnoxious or whatever your definition of Matt McClure is I wanted to be known that Matt was a man of God there's something about the weight of that word isn't it She's a woman of God. He's a man of God. Don't we all want to cross that finish line? Hear, well done, good and faithful servant from God, but on the lips of man know that we were a man of God, a woman of God. Just hit me right now. For everything I want to be known for, chief concern. When I leave this behind, when I leave the earth behind, when I die, when it's my time, or if Jesus comes back by the time it's all said and done, it is the cry of my heart that the people who followed us, who did life with us, who went to church with us, and even who criticized us, I'd be known as a man of God. So I was with these other 40 men of God. And man, I got to tell you, when you get to one of these prayer advances, uh, you don't really know what to think, but it's going to be a four-day intensive. I mean, you got to be drinking water. I prefer my water brown and black and hot. Um, hot bean juice, as Evan likes to put it. Um, so, I, so, I, so I drink some pretty dirty water. Um, pray for me. It's delicious. Keeps me going. But you're, you're going to need a lot because it really is an intensive. You really are there for one thing and one thing alone, and that's Lord Jesus. Amen. And so for us, we set apart four days literally to pray to fast, to seek, to worship, to get in the word together. And man, I have got to tell you, we set apart those four days and we wanted to hear God's heartbeat. We wanted to hear his heartbeat for us, heartbeat for our marriages, heartbeat for our churches, heartbeat for our cities, heartbeat for our regions, heartbeat for our nation. Amen. That was the point of getting together of senior leaders and going, Lord, meet us. Tell us, what do you want to do? Because I got to tell you, I am more stirred, I am more certain, and I am more ready and fired up to give my life for this thing called Takeover Church. And most importantly, head and shoulders even above that is Lord Jesus. Because I left with such conviction that by the time my life is done, 
or by the time Jesus comes back, whichever comes first, we will see a great revival in Grand Rapids, a great revival in West Michigan, a great revival in Michigan, and a great revival in the Midwest region. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I'm more certain than any, any time in my life. And it's not because of emotionalism. It's not a camp high. This is not some youth group getaway where we all just acted a fool. No, 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 no. I, what was a little bougie, we had carpet at this place. So my knees were a little taken care of. But I like the concrete better, to be honest. Some of us, we needed a neosporin for our forehead after that. I kid you not. We was face down. Face down. But I'm telling you, what the Lord Jesus drew near to me and drew near to those men left us forever changed. It's going to leave our marriages forever changed. It's going to leave this church forever changed. And by the time Jesus comes back, or it's my time to stand before him, this region will be changed and given over to Jesus. Amen? That's what I'll give my life for. That's what I'll give my life for. But, but one of the things that's interesting, one of the things that's interesting about getting together with these 40 men of God is that ideally, you know what idealism is, right? It's like the best possible outcome, like how you like things to turn out. Ideally, now the senior pastors would be the most spiritually matured, spiritually advanced, quickest to get it with the Lord, quickest to enter into his presence, into his chambers, into his throne room with praises. We would be the fastest to get there because we're, we're leaders. We are leading everyone else. That's the point, right? We are in front, spearheading this thing into the presence of God. So ideally, we would be the most spiritually mature people of our churches. And I got to tell you, that is not a call that any of us take lightly. That's not a call that any of us joke about or laugh about. No, no, our goal, our goal is to be so heavenly minded that all we are is earthly good. That stupid phrase that people say, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That makes zero sense. Zero sense. That's from religious people with religious spirits who have never encountered the living water that springs up from a relationship with Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are dead men in dead pulpits with dead churches preaching dead messages. We serve a living God, amen. We serve a living God, amen. And I'll tell you this, it wasn't just idealism, it was the reality. I'm talking four stanzas, four words. I'm talking, we started praying. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. Four o'clock in the afternoon, and we were so fast, so quick, the quickest I've ever been, zero to 100, real quick. We pierced the veil between heaven and earth. We pierced that veil. Because all of us, we knew the assignment. Forty of us, we knew. We knew. We weren't there. Like, our connection's great? Absolutely. Is networking fun? Absolutely. Are the conversations great and getting encouraged about where things are and tell them, being honest about how things have been and getting built up by our brothers and sisters who are armed and in the same fight with us? Absolutely. But the number one assignment was that one thing. The one thing. And that one thing, that one mandate, that one motive, that one message, that one thing 
motivated all of us as, as trying to be these spiritual giants as those set before us, as those have gone before us, the heroes in our faith. We wanted to treat this thing like, man, the biggest and the baddest and the greatest hero of all time, our greatest hero. How would we treat him if he just walked into the room? If we truly understand what separated us from God was sin and it, it doomed us to a life in hell. If that Savior Jesus, that hero Jesus, if he walked into the room, how would we praise him? And I got to tell you, we lifted up a word of prayer. We sang a word of the song. Some people bust out a thousand words in heavenly tongues. If you don't know anything about it, we'll lay some hands on your forehead and hopefully see that happen today. But regardless, we pierced that veil the fastest I've ever seen that veil pierced. That thin place where you have one thing driving you. And it drives you right through that thin layer between heaven and earth. And suddenly, the realest thing in that room, it's not the great onyx coffee that they provided for us. It's not the amazing leather-bound Bibles. Everyone had one. It was amazing smelling. Coffee and leather Bibles, come on. But the realest thing in that room, it was Lord Jesus. It was Lord Jesus. And so I, I, of course, in those moments, I'm not thinking so much about you guys. No offense. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. That's a good thing. You want me focus on the one thing, Lord Jesus. You really do. You want me focus on the one thing, Lord Jesus. Problem is, I was so focused on the one thing, Lord Jesus, that I completely forgot to call Adrienne that night. Um, <laughs> Scott, Pastor Scott's like, I was talking to them about not leaving your wives, and you just abandoned her all day. I did I was completely possessed and obsessed and just falling out of my tree madly in love with what Jesus had just done in that room. And I was so persuaded in that moment, I just started to ask him. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, how do we, how do we grow a church to be that mature? How do we grow Christians to be that mature? How do we get a church every single Sunday that pierces the veil like that? Every single gathering, rather, Wednesday at Ignite Nights, boys crew, babe crew, our men's ministry, our small groups. How do we do that? Lord, level us up in such a way. Take us to a new dimension where we are all so quick to pierce the veil that we can do that at 5, 6, 7 o'clock a.m. Whenever you're waking and you're spending personal time with Jesus, we can just enter in. How do we grow a matured people that way? And the Lord was like, well, Pastor Matt. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't call me Pastor. He calls me Matt. And it's like he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he goes, Matt. You see, the, the reason that you guys pierce the veil so fast. I sense a lot of faith over here. I sense a lot of faith over here, just so you know. There's a lot of faith on this side of the room right now. And the Lord Jesus is going to deposit something in this section today. So be on the lookout. Some of you are going to receive a word today that is going to break off pornography. It's going to break off identity. It's going to break off addiction. It's going to break off self-worth. Dreams are going to come alive on this section. The Lord just, he's over here, just so you know. And he says, Matt, son, the reason isn't because they're all scholared, because they're kind of clean and kind of groomed. It's not because they're all, have the best theology or they're all the same age, or they're all from the same geographical location, or because they're all the same ethnic background, same histories, because they had shared moments of the Lord, 
or because they've all been following Jesus the same, same amount of time. None of those are what predicated that moment of piercing the veil at lightning speed. He said, piercing the veil that fast, that quick, entering in that fast into my presence, all that I am, was because every single person in that room had one motive, one mission, and one mandate. It was the one thing. It was the one thing. It was Lord Jesus. You see, for many of us, for many of us, we, the reason we don't enter in that way, the reason we don't get the gold, to get the oil so fast. We talked about it last week, right? God gave me a vision about four weeks ago. Uh, four weeks ago, and there was oil dripping from this room in the ceilings, every single place. Oil was springing forth. It's because God has been faithful to show up in his house. And yet he is grieved because so much oil has gone unused, ungotten, and gone wasted. And he was showing me this week the other part, the other part. It's not so much about simply gathering to get the oil. It's gathering to be with Jesus. The oil is the byproduct of being with Jesus. Oil is found in proximity to Jesus. Healing is found in proximity to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Demons have to flee in proximity to Jesus. Amen. Come on. Depression has to die in the name and close proximity of Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Oil, anointing, all of the things that we want, all the things we read about in the good book, all the things that God is doing in Africa and in Reading and in, in, in Russia right now. Russia is, under, is experiencing an underground revival right now. They are underneath such attack from the the government and yet their underground church is thriving right now and the reason God is breaking out the reason God is alive and active the reason God is moving isn't because of our politics isn't because we're all getting what we want when we come to church isn't because we are uniting around some niche idea or whatever it's because they are uniting around the one thing I don't want to be just another standard local church. Where Jesus is more handled than he is hosted. I don't want to be another standard local church where he is more handled than he is hosted. I want to be a Jesus take over our lives kind of church. I'm not interested in playing with the presence. I'm interested in playing in the presence. I'm interested in being childlike in my faith, but mature in my doctrine. I'm interested in knowing what the word of God says and being young enough in my faith to believe it. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a standard local church that tries to handle God. I want to host him. More than that, I want him to host me. This is his house. But so often we treat church like God rents it from us. Don't we? We treat him like we're the landlord. He is the Lord. This is his home. We say, get to the house. Come see the house of God. Come be found in the house of God. All of these things. But God always goes, no, my house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of worship. My house will be a house of preaching. And we thought this whole thing was our idea. 
No, 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 I, I, I don't want, host me, Lord, let me be your guest. Come and have your way, Lord Jesus. Let's flip this whole script. Let's change everything. I want to have one thing, one message, one motive, and one mandate, Lord Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I want the one thing. I want the one thing that takes me deeper into the things of God, swells over me that I've never experienced before. But it's, there's no other explainable explanation other than there's a superhuman, super being, God of the universe, and his name is Jesus. Don't give me a God that I can explain. Give me moments that I can't explain. And I will serve you a lifetime, God. I will serve you a lifetime. But so many of us, so many of us, you see, all summer long, all summer long, so many of us, God was faithful to show up, and yet so many of us, we, we weren't. And I don't say that to cast shame at all. Trust me, this is, this is me setting up, <laughs> big word, this is me setting up a moment of repentance later. Because here's why. So many of us, we spent summer outside of here, being away from here, doing things that we wanted to do. To an extent, I completely understand that's West Michigan, but that's not necessarily kingdom. Because here's the thing. The one thing. The one thing. That's what matters most. You're not going to pierce the veil on your own. You're not going to enter into the holies of holies and have real moments with real ramifications and real earthly consequences on your own. You're just not. There's only so far that your ways and your own time and your own thinking can get you with God. There is a biblical mandate on gathering. But so often we have ulterior motives. We try to handle God by handling church. We try to handle God by handling his bride. We try to manipulate God by manipulating his bride. And so we show up when we need something from him, but don't show up simply just to be with him. Or rather even give something that he's given us to someone else in the house. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I know this is a little different, but I'm trying to get some oil on you this morning. I want you to leave here today with a little oil on your ears, a little oil on your head, a little oil coming off of you that where you go, McDonald's, Jimmy John's, Grandma's house, there's oil on you, and you leave a little bit of it behind wherever you go today. That's my game plan, and I want to change us, and I want to challenge us, and I want us to grow up into that mature bride. Friends, can I tell you this morning, this one thing is worth giving every part of our lives to. His name's Jesus. Not just when we need something from him. Oh, I only like going to that church when they do a series on this. Why? Because you need something? We're, we don't get to worship. We don't get to worship on how we see fit or what we would like or how we do things. Because guess what? It's not our name we're singing. I'm not interested in worshiping Matt McClure 24-7. I'm trying to kill Matt McClure 24-7. So is Adrienne. Uh, come on, little laugh. But it's not our name that's up there. 
I'm not too good to not believe. He is. I don't make the darkness tremble. He does. Don't surrender to me. Surrender to him. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? He is the one thing. And friends, I'll tell you, as we begin to just gather, corral, come around, Zach hates this word, but as we begin to coagulate around that one thing, Jesus, we make him the centerpiece of all that we do, all that we are, all that we will ever be. How many of you know he wants to do great things in and through your lives? Did you know that it's a lot easier to introduce people to Jesus when Jesus is here? It's a lot easier to introduce people to Jesus when Jesus is in the room. Amen. How many of you know it's a lot easier to mature into the bride you are called to be when you're spending time with the bridegroom? Because if you're married in this place, you know nothing matures you quicker than getting married. At least it should. But guess what? That comes by being with your spouse, doing life with your spouse. Friends, this, this whole thing that we do, it's about Jesus. Do we have great messages? Absolutely. Are we passionate in everything that we do? Absolutely. Do we set apart to have amazing bangers of worship sets? Absolutely. Do we want to have a Sunday that we just leave going, what just happened? Absolutely. But it's not unto my glory or unto your experience. It's under to him. It's unto Lord Jesus. He's the reason we sing. He's where our songs come from. And he put the breath in our lungs to even perform it. He's the one thing. Praise him. Praise him. His church, his presence, it only works the one way. And it's the way that he set it up. He's the one thing. Matt, you're kind of hammering this point home. I am. Let me be your pastor for a minute. Let me help you save your soul for a minute. He's the one thing. We get so distracted by all these other things that are going on, things he never asked us to do, never asked us to go, told us not to be a part of, told us not to look at, to not participate in, and yet we are found so often engaging in those things over the one thing, Lord Jesus. I cannot tell you how many young men we have walked through, pornography addiction, you go up to them and you go, hey, how's it going with that porn? And they're like, yeah, I mean, like, it's a, it's a battle, it's, a, it's going yeah, well, you and your word? And they go, yeah, a little bit, you know, like I get the, you know, I, I, mean, I try, I'm trying, I get the little daily verse sent right to my phone. Oh, you mean the phone that you swipe up on so you can look at those people who bear God's image doing dead things and for, leading them further into acts of death? That phone? I'm not interested in playing with sin. And I'm not interested in playing with God. How many of you know it is a lot harder to look at pornography when you are just reading and reading and reading and reading and reading your Bible until temptation flees? Well, Matt, I'm just not a big reader. 
alternative being what? You're big in the, yeah. You know? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Goodness. It's like, it's like, man, you talk to somebody and it's like, guess what? Guess what? Guess where, guess where temptation to cheat on your spouse is never going to be found? In your prayer closet with the lights off. You are never going to commit adultery in your prayer closet. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Want to know why? Lady at work talking to me, guy at work talking to me, filling my love tank because maybe my spouse is in a hard season, maybe we're in a hard season for whatever reason, maybe we can't have kids or work as hard or whatever it is. And so there's all this distance and everything's discombobulated at home and someone's scratching that itch and meeting that need and starts to fill that love tank. And instead of bringing that to the one place you should be, worshiping until it's dead, praying until it's dead, you give into it. But guess what? Adultery is never going to take place in your prayer closet. Talk about it. Well, Matt, I'm just not a big worshiper like you. Well, it's my goal that you would not be an adulterer like me. It's my goal that we would grow into maturity into the things of Christ and we would, just, we would just plow in prayer. We would plow in the word. We would plow in worship until temptation ceases, till the devil flees. So many people you talk to who are struggling with depression and yes, is there some level of physical stuff that happens to be there? Absolutely. But when was the last time you just said, I'm not moving from my Bible until my mind is right with Christ? Because guess what? That Christ, my Bible tells me that he triumphed over death. Every form of death. Sexual sin, depression, sickness, bodily issues, broken bones, every form and fashion that death can try and take, every lie from the pit of hell, every issue and affliction the enemy can bring into your life. Or for some of us, our own stupidity can birth in our lives. Jesus is triumphant over. But we prefer a convenient church and a convenient Christ. And we will strategize until we sterilize the Holy Spirit. And that's what so many of us done. So many of us there's two camps in Takeover Church, and I love both of them. But one has more oil than the other. And the ones that have the oil, whose lives look different, who are burning with passion, who are weeping on the ground, who are here getting it, are the ones who are here all throughout the summer. And they didn't take summer off because Christ, Christ never takes summer off. He still showed up every single week. He was faithful. We sing it. You are faithful. You are faithful. And then there's the people part of our church, and I love you just as much. But you took summer off. You took parts of summer off. You came bi-weekly, once a month. And you're wondering, why does my life look different than theirs? And I would just be candid and ask you today, what does your relationship with Jesus look like in the fall compared to where it started in the summer? When spring ended, summer happened are you closer to jesus in the fall or further from jesus in the fall shoot are you closer to jesus in the fall or closer to a fall in the fall 
Ask yourself. Ask yourself. Let's just pray right now. Father God, would you just reveal to us right now, God? Would you reveal to us? Maybe you're still taking fall off right now and you're watching online. Great. Good for you. Father, would you just reveal to us right now? Would you reveal to us where we need to repent? Where we need to repent, God? Would you reveal to us right now, Father? Some of us, we haven't even misplaced the oil. We just missed the oil. God, would you right now show us where we need to surrender in our lives, in our discipleship? God, we're supposed to be new creations in Christ, and yet we are so often found living like our old man on Saturday nights. Father, would you just show us, graciously show us where we need to repent so we can be stronger, so we can be closer to you, Jesus. Because you're the one thing. You're the one thing. Amen. The one thing. So I love this portion of scripture. I really do. I love this portion of scripture because it starts off and it says that Jesus, he goes into this village, goes into this town. And this town, this town's called Bethany. And if we're going to talk about this portion of scripture, we're going to talk about the one thing. And we're going to go after all that Christ is and what he has for us. We need to first talk about Bethany. You see, Bethany's not just some village. Bethany's not just some place. No, see, Bethany is a place with two names. See, the word Bethany actually has two meanings. Can I give those to you? See, the first meaning today is house of fig. House of fig. Not, not their house. Not the house we're going to enter into in a minute. No, no, the, the, the town, the village is called house of fig. You know what's interesting? What's really interesting about figs is that Man, uh, we, we read about creation. We read about Genesis. And in every poor art depiction of Adam and Eve in the garden, some bozo decided to paint an apple. But scholars maintain that it wasn't an apple because geographically where it is believed based off biblical data, biblical understanding, biblical reading, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, all of them, based off it, Scholars maintain that it, was, it wouldn't be an apple because apple wasn't actually native to where the garden would have been, that more than likely the fruit of which Eve shall not, should not have eaten of, that God said, eat of all the trees, do everything, go subdue the earth, have dominion, walk in dynamis power of God, go and create, do great exploits for God, just don't eat from that tree. It wasn't an apple, as nice as that aesthetically looks. More than likely it was a fig. And so it's interesting that Bethany would be known as the house of fig because Bethany's other name, can I tell you the other name? Is that okay? A little history lesson? Bethany's other meaning, other name, is house of affliction. House of affliction. And how many of you know, since sin entered the world by way of Adam and Eve biting the fig, sin has such separated us from God from that moment on forward in such a way that our only plight outside of being rescued by Jesus is a life of affliction. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that this place, Bethany, means house of fig and house of affliction and from a fig, from a moment of disobedience came sin affliction, separation, and ultimately death. And yet, somebody say and yet. And yet. And yet, 
here's Jesus. Here's Lord Jesus, that one thing, Lord Jesus, showing up in the middle of a town marked by figs and marked by affliction, showing up in the middle of a space and a place of affliction, of sin, of separation, and of figs. Here's Jesus showing up in the midst of a place known by its fruit and known by its affliction. Who in here today is grateful that Lord Jesus has showed up in the middle of your fruit, in the middle of your afflictions? Come on, praise him. Praise him. Who is grateful for that Jesus still showing up to your Bethany, still showing up in your life, still showing up? You are known in levels of hell and in gossiping circles by your afflictions and your previous fruit. But Jesus, by God, has showed up in the middle of it to rescue you. Amen. Amen. Praise him again. Praise him again. What are we doing? What are we doing? He's the one thing. He's the one thing that could take that moment and restore the Bethany's in our lives. This is the one thing. This is Lord Jesus. And he shows up right in the middle of sin, death, separation, and affliction. You want to know how I know the word of God is true outside of my experience with Jesus? It's because no one who's ever existed on this planet could write that. That took a heavenly author. That took someone in the cosmos. That took someone making a through line from beginning of let there be light to Jesus returning with a sword. That took God. Because that kind of wordplay not even Jay-Z or Beyonce can do that. We're not that good. We're not that talented. We're not that smart. He is. <laughs> We're made in his image and likeness. There's a reason it's stated that way. <laughs> kind of, sort of, almost. But not. And so I love that portion of scripture because it says Jesus rolls up to Bethany. And then we need to pause right here because it says Martha opens the door to Jesus. I love this because here's a couple things you got to know. This is Mary, this is Martha, and this is Lazarus' house. Who are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Well, glad you asked. They are the Magdalene trio. Can I just tell you today, Lazarus Magdalene is probably one of the hardest names I've ever heard. It's not as hard as the name Jesus Christ, but it's pretty hard. Like the hardest name in history is Jesus Christ, but pretty up there is Lazarus Magdalene. That's a that's a staunch name. That's a stout name. Amen. And so here's this house where all three of them lived. And you've got to know this. You've got to understand this because not even God himself is just going to show up unannounced or uninvited. He knows them. He's done life with them. He has already had interactions. This family is going to have so many moments in the New Testament scriptures with Lord Jesus that it speaks to so many areas of our lives through these three individuals. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are so worthy of our time. Dig into them when you can this week. Dig into them because one of the other important things that happens in this moment is it says that Martha opens the door, Jesus comes in, so Jesus is there. The disciples are there. More people from Bethany are coming into this house. We know that the house is full. And it, it, is, it is a party. It is going on. And Lord Jesus is found on the couch teaching. 
He's on the couch in their midst, in their home, teaching. And who is found at his feet listening? Mary. Mary is found at his feet listening. See, the thing you got to know about Mary is before this moment, Jesus had actually already had a run-in with Mary. You see, Mary, Mary's someone who, much like her village would speak to, she's someone who lived with deep afflictions in her life. You see, Mary, Mary before this moment, before she was found sitting at the feet of Jesus in worship and listening to his teachings, Mary was found at the feet of other gentlemen for money because she was a prostitute. How many of you know the level of affliction, of wounds, of harm, of hurt you would have in your bones to be someone whose thought was, you know what, in order to make it, in order to have some money, in order to have some sort of status in this city and in this community, I have to sell myself sexually. How many of you know that is an afflicted individual? That is an afflicted individual. That is a broken individual. That's such a separated individual. And here's the deal, not only not only was she so separated from what God wanted for her life, she was so separated in such a way, so given over to her afflictions, that she lived with a home in her heart that had no doors on its hinges, and evil would come and reside in her. Not only was she a prostitute, she was possessed by not one demon, not two demons, not three demons, not four demons, not five demons, not six demons. She got a demon for every day of the week. She was possessed by seven demons. Seven demons. And see, this is what happens when we live lives separated from God. This is what happens when we live lives separated from what he says is designed for our lives. See, friends, you and I, we, we were never designed for affliction. That's not how God made us. We, we were made to be given over to life and life to the full in the garden, full of his Holy Spirit, full of his presence, walking hand in hand with him. That's what we were designed for. We were also never designed to be a vessel for demons. We were never designed to be a vessel for the demonic, for the dark, for death. We were never designed to live that way. We were designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live lives and lives to the full. But what affliction does, what sin does, what separation does, what death does, is it causes us to give away the most valuable parts of us to others, to things that are lesser than even us. And in the process, we begin to live in homes without doors, and we just give way to the demonic. That's why sexual sin is such a big deal. You're not just opening up yourself to someone who's not your spouse who you're going to become one with. No, you're, you're opening yourself up to person after person, man after man, woman after woman, and desensitizing yourself to the demonic that is taking place in that bedroom. You don't even got to get paid for it. Being paid for it's just another level of sin added on to a bunch of shame, onto a bunch of affliction, to a bunch of hurt. And there you are suddenly destitute, zero self-confidence, zero self-worth, ravished by the enemy and then filled with his offspring, demons. Matt, this is really heavy. Yeah, this is what happens when we don't live lives for Christ. Please let me help you save your soul. I want to be your pastor. But praise God. Praise God. Because here's Jesus in the middle of Bethany, in the middle of this home, 
and he is teaching. And Mary, she's been set free. Mary, she's been redeemed. Mary, she experienced an exorcism and an exhortation. And she was both relieved of demons and built up in the most holy of Christ. And Mary was then becoming a disciple of Jesus, would follow Jesus, would teach alongside Jesus, would serve alongside Jesus. And then Mary would be found in the upper room in Acts 2. And Mary, instead of being filled with demons for all her days, was filled with the Holy Spirit and lived a life after Christ. Praise him. Praise him. That is what happens when God enters Bethany. That's what happens. When God enters Matt, when God enters Angie, when God enters everyone. So Mary, she's found worshiping at the feet of Jesus, sitting next to Jesus, leaning back against Jesus, listening to Jesus' teaching. Why? Because Mary has had an encounter with Jesus unlike most people. Mary's probably been saved from more than most people. Mary came to know Jesus in the realest, craziest, most extreme situation possible. Filled with his enemy incarnate and completely given over. She's a Jewish woman. She knows the law. She knows adultery. She knows the millstone that should be around her neck. She knows that she deserves to be stoned. And probably the reason no one did stone her is because those people who would be throwing the stones were paying her for sex. And Jesus rescued her out of manipulation, affliction, and all the rest. Amen. And so she, she understood what Jesus paid for her, what Jesus brought her, what Jesus offered her versus what she had achieved and done and fallen into in her own life. And so when Jesus comes to town, she's found at his feet because he's the one thing. She tried everything else, but he's the one thing. But in order to completely appreciate Mary, we kind of have to turn and look at Martha. You see, Martha, Martha is like a Christian by proxy. Martha's like a Christian by proxy. See, Martha, she didn't have that coming to Jesus moment. She was probably the good sister who never messed up, who had it all together. In fact, it says that it's her home. So Mary and Lazarus are living with her, so she must have some sort of financial stability, some sort of status in Bethany, some sort of reason that would uphold her in prominence and, and, and make sure that she is able to have her own home. Women owning their own home was pretty rare in those days. So we know Martha was probably a bit more cleaned up than Mary. And so Martha, she kind of came to know Jesus by way of Mary. And so she was probably a little bit more cleaned up, a little more clean cut, a little more put together. And I believe that is the reason why these two sisters both hosting Jesus, Jesus both being found in their home, are both found doing very different things. One could say they were getting two varying degrees of oil. So Mary, Mary's like, I love Jesus. Jesus saved me. He rescued me. I know what he's done. He is the one thing, and I am going to be found. If he is around, I am sitting at his feet. It is not my ideas. It is not what I want. It's not my understandings. It's not my history. It's not my comfortability. No, I will be uncomfortably comfortable at his feet. If Jesus is there, I am there. Bless you. In Jesus' name. And then there's Martha. And it says that Martha, while Jesus is teaching, 
while he's opening up the keys of the universe, while he is talking about his, uh, his way of living that has unlimited victories attached to it. That's what he's teaching. He is talking about the kingdom of God, a way of living in such a way that has unlimited victories attached to it. <laughs> Where's Martha doing dishes? Where's Martha serving sandwiches? Jesus never asked Martha to go and make sandwiches. But isn't it interesting that Jesus is faithful to show up, that Jesus is faithful to come in the middle of our Bethany, in the middle of our affliction. Jesus is faithful to rescue us from the muck and the mire, to restore unto us that which cannot be eaten away by moth or rust, that he takes us from destitute to life and life to the full. Amen. That's what Lord Jesus does. And when you know that and when you've experienced that, and it's not just by proxy, but he has rescued you and saved you, you are only wanting to be found in one place and one place alone because the one thing and the one thing alone, his feet. But Mary, Mary's been busy doing things that Jesus never asked her to do. Somebody say, talk about it, because we're going to. Some of us, some of us, we went all summer long doing things that Jesus never asked us to do. Could we just let that sink in for a second? At his feet, is where dead things come back to life. At his feet are where the dead rise again. At his feet is where we are given over to life and life to the full. At his feet is where the promises of God are fulfilled, where your life is set right, where you begin to live in the perfect and good and faithful will of God, where you experience the mind of Christ and the spirit of Christ. At his feet is where the kingdom of heaven is available to every citizen of heaven. But many citizens have spent the summer doing things Jesus never asked us to. And I wonder, I wonder this morning if you could actually take a little personal inventory. What in the summertime did you do, did you get into that Jesus never asked you to do? Whether it was for him or for yourself. <laughs> because once Jesus takes over our lives, once Jesus saves us, come on somebody, how many of you know it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me? No, 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 I, I now take on Jesus' role and I only say what my father's saying. I only do what my father's doing. I only go where my father's going. I love who my father loves. I worship what my father worships. Like that's who we become. So suddenly our ideas of what Jesus wants us to do and our own personal motives and ideas of what we want to do fall by the wayside because Jesus is very clear about what he wants to do. So all summer long, did you do what Jesus wanted you to do? Shoot, September, did you do what Jesus wanted you to do? Heck, this week, did you do what Jesus wanted you to do? Let's, let's, let's ask ourselves that question. Is he the one thing or is he one of many things? Is he one thing or is he one of many things? Did you do what Jesus wants you to do this summer, this September, and this week? Or did you do what you wanted to do? These are questions we need to start asking because the hour is too late. The night is too dark. And there's too much happening in the world. And the citizens are needed. And we're needed to be found in the embassy. So we can be being built up to go out into all the world. But our embassy is found at his feet. Our equipping is found at his feet. Our peace is found at his feet. 
Our restoration is found at his feet. Where he wants us, where he asks us, where he welcomes us and beckons us and calls us into is always his feet. Can I tell you this? Jesus, here's a really good way, bonus point. Here's a really good way to determine whether you did what God wants you to do this summer or not. Did what you do this summer keep you close to Christ or lead you further away from him? Did what you get into this summer, did what you got up to this summer, did it lead you closer to Christ, keep you closer to Christ, use you in greater ways for Christ, or did it actually take you away from Christ? Because here's how you know. Jesus would never ask you to do something that leads you away from him. Jesus never asks you to do something that leads you away from him. Jesus would never tell you, go here, do this, see this person, go see these sites, go do these things, go have fun away from me. Never gonna happen. You wanna know how? I got an entire Bible to tell you. He would never, he would never, he would never lead you away from himself. That's not who he is. He leads you into places that bring you closer to him. He tells you to do things that bring others closer to him. He tells you to live in such a way that you will shine the light of him into every area of darkness, every threshold you pass over. He should still be the closest thing to you that his life radiates in your workplace, in the dental office, everywhere you go. So Martha or Mary, who are you? Who were you this summer? Who were you in September? And who do you want to be in the fall? Who do you want to be in October? Who do you want to be for the rest of the year? I'm not coming with shame today. I'm coming with proximity and, 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 and uh, it's another P word and I'm missing it. But I'm coming with vision. Who do you want to be, Mary or Martha? Because here's the deal. Here's what happens when you live as Martha instead of Mary. Martha goes to Jesus and she goes, Jesus, are you freaking kidding me? You out there preaching, do your thing, really glad to have you. It's awesome. Love Jesus. But Mary is leaving me all alone. I'm doing all of this on my own. Suddenly, when we begin to live lives that Jesus never asked us to live, do things that Jesus never asked us to do, go places that Jesus never requested of us, doing things, even if it seems good idea, if it seems well-intentioned, if it seems well-meaning, what's wrong with serving? What's wrong with doing dishes? What's wrong with doing these things? Problem is, when we begin to live lives separate from what Jesus actually asks us to do, we begin to inflict our own separation that he rescued us from. And it's in that middle of separation that we can, when we begin to live away from God instead of close to God, we get weird. We get weird. Because here's the deal. Here's what happened to Mary, or here's what happened to Martha. Martha was living in such a way, doing things that God never asked her to do, that Martha started believing her own thoughts over the teachings of Jesus. Mary's over here listening to the teachings of Jesus, worshiping at his feet, and Martha's in the kitchen believing her own thoughts. And that's what we do all summer long when we start doing these things. Every time we decide to start living ways that we want to live and do things that we want to do, but God never asked us ever to do those things, all of a sudden we start having our own thoughts about the church. We start having our own thoughts about Jesus. We start having our own thoughts about other Christians, don't we? We start having our own thoughts about politics and all these other things and our own thoughts about sex. And suddenly we start living lives not only in ways that Jesus never asked us to, but how we think we should. And what happens is when we create that separation between us and Jesus, we begin to believe our own thoughts over Jesus' teachings. 
Jesus' teachings were designed to take over our thoughts. We're not called to believe our own thoughts over Jesus' teaching. God's best isn't found in our own thoughts. It's found in Jesus' teachings. And so Mary, she starts thinking all the, or Martha, she starts thinking all these things about Mary. She's lazy. She's this. Jesus, don't you want me in here? Don't you want this? And then Jesus, being a gangster for God, goes, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxiety-ridden about a great many of things. But let me tell you, Mary has concerned herself with the one thing. Let's pause right there. You're concerned about a great many of things. Look at how anxiety comes in. Look how anger comes in. Look how separation comes in. Look how, look how our vision changes when we go from proximity to Jesus to being away from him. Suddenly, we don't see Jesus the way we should be. Suddenly, we don't hear his teachings the way we should be. Suddenly, being found at his feet, the greatest honor of our lives. God of the universe is in the room, and we want to be doing the dishes? How long, how far, how great is that chasm that you've been living so far away from what Jesus has said for you to do that you're getting bent out of shape that other people aren't doing what you're doing when they are doing the one thing that Jesus says is the good portion that will not be taken away from her. Can we talk about this real quick? Worship team, give me two seconds. You can make your way up here. Listen. He says, but Mary, she chose the one thing and the good portion that will never be taken away from her. This is necessary, Jesus says. Remember, super necessary, super necessary. You know what that tells me? That tells me there's a good portion and there's bad portions. It tells me there's one thing and there's many things. It tells me there are things that are, there is one thing that is necessary and many that are unnecessary. And you know what also it tells me? It tells me the one thing that is necessary can never be taken away from me, but the many that are unnecessary can all be taken away from me. All those things that we busied ourselves with over the summer that Jesus never asked you to do, the things that you do that Jesus never asked you to do can all be taken away from you. Camping can be taken away from you. Jobs can be taken away from you. Friends, family can be taken away from you. Just being honest with what Jesus just said. We just read it together. Can be taken away from you can be taken away from you. All the sights you want to see pale in comparison to the sights that Mary wanted to see at the feet of Jesus because every other sight on this earth, as great as they may be, can be taken away. Can be taken away. All the sports games that we got to get our kids to can be taken away. Athleticism, taken away. Our bodies, taken away. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Worship team, you can make your way up here. Is this good? Because here's my plea today. Worship team's going to come back up here in a second. Nobody else move. Nobody else move. Worship team is it. Everyone else stay where you are. I don't need a team to get up, worship, or staff team, nobody. Stay where you are. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And some of us today, we have been found more like Martha than we have Mary. And yet Jesus is saying, there is a place at my feet that is the good portion, but you have to choose it. You have to forsake the unnecessary for the one thing that is necessary. You have to forsake those things that can be robbed from you for the one thing that can never be taken from you. There is one thing that goes with you from this life into eternity, and it's not your Instagram account with all the photos. Vacations are awesome. Monday through Saturday, go, have fun. Going out is awesome. 
on Saturdays. Be home by 10. Why? Because we don't want to be busy doing things that the Lord has never asked us to do, that his will is not behind, and that he has not found resting in. You see, this thing that he called Mary to, he calls us to, he's resting in, he's reclined in. He is sitting back on that couch and he is resting in that house of Bethany, resting in that place of affliction, resting and rescuing in that home. And so many of us have been busied with all these other things that he never asked us to do. He said, come and rest as I am resting. Come and be in my presence as I am here. Again, this isn't to shame you. This is to give you perspective. Perspective is the word that starts with a P that I've been looking for for 10 minutes. Proximity and perspective. Closeness to Jesus gives you a perspective of Jesus that you won't have when you're not in his proximity. So we're gonna go into this song. It's called Make Room. And it's so funny because so often we're found just like Martha. We actually open the doors to Jesus to come into our home, but we don't make room for him. So many of us, we're living lives where we're not even found in his house, let alone when he comes to our house, we're busy doing things that he never asked us to do. But today's the day where we change that. Because here's the deal. Would you guys stand? Worship team, would you just begin to play? We're going to sing this song, and I'm going to invite you up to this altar. We're not going to have a prayer team. We're not going to do any of that. Instead, this is going to be a moment where you get to come, and you get to confess your sin to God and say, Lord, I, this summer, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want that to be my fall. I don't want that to be my winter. I want to pursue the one thing. I want to be in proximity to the one thing. I want to be like Mary and not like Martha. I don't want you to ever show up to my house one day and me still be too busy doing things you never asked me to do to come and sit at your feet. Some of us, the reason we can show up every other week and our lives look exactly the same week in and week out is because the word that we heard the teaching that we heard went unapplied because an encounter with Jesus went uninitiated. You see, if there's one thing, if there's one thing I know true about Jesus more than anything, is that Jesus has never taken part in anything. Jesus never takes part in anything. Jesus only ever takes over. Jesus has never been off, welcomed into a wedding before where he didn't just make water into new wine and completely take over. There's never been one moment of prayer where Jesus just let everybody else do it and he didn't come and take over. Jesus has never come in part. He's only ever came and taken over lives. And yet we try to live our lives with only giving him a part of it. And he's going, no, I want to take over it. You'll never know what your summers could be like in my house because you've never spent a summer in my house. You'll never know how God can use you in your workplace because you've never let God use you in your workplace. You'll never know what Jesus could do in your marriage because you've been too busy trying to be the Lord of your marriage. You'll never know what Jesus could do in your single season because you've been too busy trying to manipulate it. Swipe right and swipe left on it. I 
instead of letting Jesus be Lord of it. You never know what God can do in your finances. Every area, every area of our lives, you'll never know. God, what, what can you do with my sexual addiction? And he goes, just let me try. Would you stay in my word five hours if it meant I would pass by you and set you completely free? If God guaranteed us, if he gave us a word, if he gave us a word, I'm not saying he did, but if he gave us a word that every single Sunday at 10 a.m. sharp and every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. sharp, his glory would fall in this room in such a way that addiction would automatically leave, that you wouldn't have to contend for anything in prayer, but there would just be an open heaven right here in this space, 7 p.m. sharp on Wednesdays, 10 a.m. sharp on Sundays. Would you be able to forsake your Saturday night plans in order to go after what God has here at 10 a.m. sharp? Could you quit getting to church at 10, 17 consistently every week? Instead, you're here well before because you don't want to miss that moment when the glory comes down and the chains break off and the lives are resurrection and the marriages come back and homosexuality has to leave the body. Like, if he gave us his word that said, we're two or more gather in my name anytime. I would come and move beneath them and around them and between them and above them. Christ above me, Christ below me, Christ beside me, Christ within me. If that happened every single time, two people came together. Well, wouldn't you give everything to be there? Wouldn't there be anything that you could go without? Because we all have a lot of unnecessary in our lives, but there is one thing that is super necessary. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So quit, quit letting Jesus just be a part of your life today. Welcome Lord Jesus in to take over your lives. And what we're going to do is this. I'm going to pray. And this altar is open. We're going to kill the lights. We're going to go into the song. And we're just going to let the spirit of the Lord do the work. As you begin to confess, man, God, I have just, <sighs> I've not been doing things in my marriage that you asked me to do. And not only has it separated me and you, it's separated me and her. Whatever it is, I give a million examples of separation that we have done things that God never asked us to do. He can kill those back ones too. Let's get dark in here. Let's just go dark. Let's just let the Lord be the closest and the realest thing in this, in this room right now. So I'm going to start praying that that's you. Smallest sin, biggest sin, at whatever. Just come down. Any way that you've been living all summer, September, this week that God never asked you to do, let's repent and let's only do going forward what he's asked us to do. Amen? I'm going to pray. Altar is open. Let's see Jesus do something radical in us. Father God, Father God, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you for your patience. God, I thank you that you're just in this room. And worship team, if that's you too, hop down. I don't, we don't need the music. The Lord is here. If that's you and you need to go and be on the concrete, go and be on the concrete. Father, we just thank you for this moment. Father, we don't want to just perform useless tasks that you never asked us to do. We don't want to be found in kitchens you never called us to be in. We don't want to be serving in ways you never asked us to do. We don't want to be found making our own plans and doing our own things, God. No, Father, we want to be like Mary. And we want to be found at your feet in every area of our lives. We want to wake up every day and go, God, 
What is it today that cannot be taken from me? What is it today that you have for me, that you want from me? Right now, King Jesus, I just want to submit totally to your authority, God. Take this from me. God, I repent of how I spent summer 2022. God, I repent for how I was away from you. God, I repent of the oil that I missed. God, I repent for the times that you had something from me and I got a secondhand revelation from somebody else at church. God, I repent. I repent that I have not made a way in my life to be found at your feet, to burn upon your altar. God, consume me again. Consume me again, Father God. Take me back to that place of love. Resurrect in me that place that you love me more than I perform for you, more than I can be busy doing other things. And just come, Lord Jesus, come. And would you fall upon my lives, God. Father, from the time I put my body before I put your body, I want to repent. Father, for putting things I enjoy before an encounter with you, God, I repent. Father, from late nights and bad decisions and too much alcohol being consumed and just getting loose in other areas. I repent that they took me away from you. I repent that I decided to take a job based on money instead of another job based upon being available in your, in your presence. God, I repent. God, I repent of leading my home in such a way that my wife and my kids and my husband or whomever isn't found in church. God, I repent. Lord Jesus, for the, for the late night Saturdays of gaming that I had where I was more interested in killing noobs online and building maps and minecrafting God that I didn't put my Christ before me. No greater word for Gen Z will ever be spoken. My Christ over my craft. But Father, right now, for not prioritizing, for not setting alarms, for not for giving rest to our eyes before I gave you a place to rest upon my life. David said, I will not give rest to my eyes before I give you a place to rest in my life. God, we repent for having it backwards. Jesus, you're the one thing that makes all other things come together, makes all other things make sense, that brings all other things into alignment. God, right now we just repent. We seek you, Lord Jesus, above everything else. You are the life in my lungs. You are the air that I breathe. You are what made my heart beat. You are the oil. You are the anointing. You are the thing that makes this life make sense. You are the thing that when I still go through afflictions, that makes it worthy to stay enduring through because I know I am going to receive my prize on the other side. Spoiler alert. Our prize on the other side of this life and its afflictions is more Jesus, more one thing. So King Jesus, maybe in the most important area, in the places that I can't articulate, in the places I don't really understand, but I, I didn't push you first in my mind. I didn't prioritize you in my mind. I didn't prioritize being at your feet over my own thoughts. I, 
I had some motives in my heart that went unchecked and as they went unchecked they grew into this well irrigated with bitterness and it sprouted out but I just had this tree this tree of brokenness this tree of unfaithfulness this tree of bitterness God and I just repent of not being found at your feet but rather being found in my own thoughts Father right now Would you just flood every part of this room and every person in it? From the crown of their head to the soles of their feet right now, Jesus. Would you begin to just have a, a swell of life and light to the full come in this room, God. Where we fully surrender to you. Where we take on everything that you have for us. We want to delight in you like you delight in us. We want to delight in you like Mary did. Lord, you rescued us out of Bethany. You come into our Bethany, and we want to worship you like Mary and not like Martha. Worship team, you can begin singing, and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome you in this place. Come and have your way in our lives. We surrender to you. We relent to you. We trust our thoughts with you. We take on your motives, your message, your mandates. And we will be a people who pierce the veil. Who pierce the veil. Who live to pierce the veil. Who live to pierce the veil into your presence over every other pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen.